Peter says, uh, no, Jesus, you're wrong. These other men, these other disciples, they may forsake you. They may run away, but I'm never going to be offended by you. I'm never going to stop following you. Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to, to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. The Apostle Peter was sold out for Jesus. He was convinced he'd never drop the ball, but he did. And the same thing happens to many Christians. It's happened to me, and it's happened to our teacher, Brian Tyndall. Today, Brian brings us a message on backsliding, looking at what happened to Peter in Matthew 26. Hold your spot as Brian first defines backsliding in a message entitled, Backsliding, a Spiritual Slippery Slope. Here's Brian. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. And the title of my message today is Backsliding, a Spiritual Slippery Slope. You've probably heard the term backsliding before, but maybe you don't know exactly what's meant by that term. So as we begin the message today, I want to define what I mean by backsliding. Webster's Dictionary says that to backslide is to fall backwards in your relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, after we're saved, we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we should be moving forward and growing in that relationship with Christ. But for many people, for many Christians, they find themselves going through seasons of their life, seasons of their Christian life, where rather than growing and maturing in their relationship with Christ, they actually are moving backward in their relationship. It also says that to backslide is to lose interest in following or serving the Lord. Most of us, after we accept Christ, we are on fire for the Lord. We have a passion uh, for this newfound relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But over time, if we don't continue to nurture that relationship, if we don't continue to grow and feed that spiritual part of ourselves in the right way, we can find ourselves going through seasons of our Christian life where we're not as interested in following and serving the Lord as we used to be. Backsliding can also be a term that is used to describe a Christian believer who has grown cold in spiritual things. Now, there again, most of the time after we accept Christ, we're excited about spiritual things. We're excited about the Word of God. We're excited about being able to pray and be in that close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're excited about going to church, about hearing the Word of God preached and taught. We're excited about spending time with our fellow believers, maybe even in uh, sharing the gospel with our lost friends. But it happens at times that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, that many believers find themselves going through times where they're growing cold in these spiritual things. They don't want to be involved in these spiritual activities like they used to want to be involved. And then the reverse is also true. Backsliding not only the means to grow cold in, in uh, spiritual things, but backsliding can also mean to no longer be on fire for the Lord. And we want to be on fire for the Lord. We should be on fire for the Lord. We ought to be uh, having a passion and a desire not only to know the Lord and to obey the Lord and serve and worship the Lord, but to walk and follow Him all the days of our life. I've been a Christian a long time. I accepted Christ when I was 17 years old, and the Lord radically transformed my life, and uh, He put me on a new path. He made me a new creature. All the old things in my life began to pass away, and He began to make all things new. And I had a great passion for the things of God. I loved His Word. I couldn't read it enough. I couldn't study it enough. I couldn't hear people preaching and teaching it enough. I loved to be at church. I wanted to be there every time the door was open. Uh, I wanted to share my faith with uh, my friends that did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanted to give to the Lord. I mean, I was just on fire. I was just totally sold out and passionate about my newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. But over time, I experienced what many, in fact, what I believe most Christians experience, at least at some point in their Christian journey. Uh, over time, I experienced myself uh, getting to different stages where 
that passion was not as great as it had been at other times in my life. That desire to know the Lord and to follow the Lord and to serve the Lord uh, was not as great as it had been in past times. And, and certainly, I believe that in some ways that's normal. I mean, we are still trapped in this flesh. We are still living in an ungodly world. And it's going to be very difficult for Christians to continually uh, be moving forward on a trajectory where we're continually growing uh, just without any interruption in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I believe it's possible, and I believe that's what we ought to strive for. We ought to be striving to continually grow and not be backing up at all. But I believe if we're honest, uh, those of us that know Christ and we look back uh, over our own spiritual journey, if we're honest, I believe that we'll have to say, well, you know, while the vast majority of the time I feel like I have been growing, I feel like I have been maturing, uh, I can recognize times in my life where I can identify with some of these definitions related to backsliding. I can identify uh, that there's been times in my uh, Christian journey where it felt like I was falling backwards uh, in my relationship with Christ rather than moving forward. I can identify with the fact that there's been times where I was not as interested or I lost interest in the things of God rather than having interest. I can uh, identify with the fact that uh, I can look back and see that there are times, there are seasons uh, in my spiritual journey where I did grow cold or somewhat indifferent to the things of God. And I certainly believe that all of us that have followed Christ for any length of time can look back and see uh, periods in our Christian journey where we were not as on fire or passionate about our relationship with Christ or about serving or being obedient or worshiping the Lord. We were not as passionate and on fire as we were at other times in our life. And so the goal is for us to recognize those times and to do what's necessary to break out of that pattern and to seek forgiveness from the Lord and to get back on the right path and to get back moving in a right direction. And so that's what I hope that we can accomplish through this sermon today. I want us to identify not only what backsliding is in sense of a definition uh, so that we can recognize if that's going on in our life or if we are going through seasons where we are indeed backsliding in our relationship with the Lord. But I not only want us to be able to, to define backsliding from a clinical point of view or from a definition point of view, but I want us to actually go to the Word of God and look at an individual that was a Christian, somebody that loved the Lord, somebody that was a disciple of Jesus Christ, somebody that was walking in a right relationship with God. And I want us to look at his life and see if we can identify that this person went through a time of backsliding and even identify the steps in that process. Because what I'm convinced of is this. I, I believe that most Christians do not wake up one day and say, I want to backslide. I, I don't believe Christians wake up and say, hey, uh, I, I've been following the Lord, but now I want to go backwards in my relationship with Christ. I just don't believe that's what's happening. I don't believe people are intentionally saying, I don't want to have interest in the things of God anymore. I want to grow cold in spiritual things. I don't want to be as passionate or on fire as I used to be. I, I believe for most Christians, for most believers, for most followers of Christ, this is not a conscious decision. It's not a conscious decision that I'm going to backslide or I'm going to fall away in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe it's something that's happening, but it's not necessarily intentional. It's something that's happening, and we need to be able to identify when it's happening. And I believe as we look, the person we're going to look at actually in Matthew chapter 26 is we're going to look at Peter. And I believe Peter is a perfect example because I believe Peter was a great follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, he certainly was in the circle of the 12 disciples. But even more so than that, uh, most scholars agree that not only did Jesus have 12 disciples, but he had three disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, that were in an inner circle. And Peter was a part of that inner circle. So he certainly knew the Lord. He had a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and repentance. 
And he was walking and growing in that relationship with the Lord as Jesus was on this earth for three and a half years and as Peter was following him every day and listening to him preaching and teaching and watching him do miracles. And as, as Peter was following and being discipled and mentored by Jesus, he, we certainly see that he was growing and maturing in his relationship with Jesus Christ. But we also see that Peter went through times where he was, uh, I believe, Backsliding. I believe that would be a good word for what we see going on in Peter's life. We see Peter uh, having times in his life where he was moving backwards rather than forward in his relationship with Christ. We see where he had times where he was losing interest in spiritual things. We see times where he was growing cold. And certainly we see Peter experiencing times where he was not as passionate and not as on fire in his relationship with Christ as he was at other times in his life. And so I want us to look at Peter's life, and I want us to see what backsliding looks like in the life of a believer. And I want us to identify some of the steps that Peter took that led to his backslidden condition. In fact, I'm going to identify six or seven steps that I believe Peter progressively took that led to his backslidden condition. And as we look at those things that were going on in Peter's life, what I want us to ask ourselves is this. Are any of these steps, are any of these characteristics, are any of these things that we see Peter doing in his life that led to his backslidden condition do we see any of those steps? Do we see any of those characteristics in our own life? And if we do, then I believe that it will help us to recognize that we're moving, that we're taking steps, whether it's intentional or not, whether we recognize it or not. If we see some of these characteristics that led to Peter's backslidden condition, if we see some of those very same characteristics in our own life, as we allow the Word of God to speak to us and as we allow the Holy Spirit to minister His Word and His truth to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, may He open our mind and our hearts so that we can uh, evaluate our Christian life uh, from a real, true biblical perspective and see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. And if we are taking any of these steps in the wrong direction, that God would help us to correct these things, that he would help us to repent of these things and begin to correct them and receive forgiveness for them and begin to move in the right direction again so that we can move out of that backslidden condition and once again begin to serve the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. As we turn to Matthew chapter 26, what we have going on in that passage of Scripture is uh, Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and it is on the night that he is going to be betrayed. And he's meeting with his disciples in the upper room, and this is a very famous moment uh, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with his disciples as they're seated around the table having a fellowship meal together. Uh, it's in this passage of Scripture that uh, Jesus uh, takes the cup and he takes the bread and uh, and he, he tells them that he's having a new testament, a new covenant uh, in his blood. And it's from this passage of Scripture, it's from this moment that we actually get the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And it's right after this moment where Jesus has had this great spiritual moment with his disciples that Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Jesus says, All ye, all of you, shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And so what Jesus tells his disciples on this evening, as they're meeting together, and as they're having this time of fellowship together, and he's instituting the Lord's Supper with them, he tells his disciples, on this very night, something's going to happen to me, uh, he doesn't give them the details of it, but he says the shepherd is going to be struck on the head. He's going to be arrested, that he's going to be falsely accused, that he's going to be drugged before uh, a false court and false witnesses are going to falsely accuse him. And what Jesus tells his disciples is that all of them are going to run away. All of them are going to be scared and they're going to scatter when this happens. They're not going to stand with him. And Peter in that moment, it says in verse 33, answered and said unto Jesus, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet I will never be offended. Peter says, uh, no, Jesus, you're wrong. 
uh, these other men, these other disciples, they may forsake you. They may run away, but I'm never going to be offended by you. I'm never going to run away from you. Even if everybody else leaves you, I'm never going to leave you. Even if everybody else stops following you, I'm never going to stop following you. And I believe even in this passage of Scripture, we see one of the steps, one of the initial characteristics of Peter's life that began to lead him in a direction and down a path that ultimately would lead to his backslidden spiritual condition. And the characteristic that I think we see here is Peter developing a spirit of pride. He's developing a spirit of pride and arrogance. And, and I've seen this many times uh, in my Christian life. As I have been a Christian myself, I've seen it in my own life. As I have been a pastor of a church, as I've been a missionary, as I have ministered to Christians uh, around the world in many different contexts, I have seen that this is something that can happen to all Christians. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and as we mature in spiritual things and begin to follow Christ and serve Christ and be obedient to Christ and worship Christ, there can begin to be a spirit that enters into our Christian life that is like Peter does here. You know, the Lord says, you know, you better be careful because uh, some of you are going to be uh, disappointed. Some of you are going to be scared. Some of you uh, are going to be disobedient. Some of you are going to run away. Some of you are not going to stand faithful with me every minute like you should. And Peter immediately says, no, that's not me. I'm never going to do that. And, and so we see that, that Peter has a, a spirit of pride, a boastfulness, a overconfidence, an arrogance, uh, if you will, in his spiritual life. Uh, rather than saying, you know, uh, there but by the grace of God goes me, when he hears these things, rather than, than looking at other people that, that may be falling away or other people that may be backsliding and saying, oh, but by the grace of God, I could do that same thing. Peter has this overconfidence. He has this arrogance that says, I would never do that. You know, we need to keep a spirit of humility in our Christian life. Anytime we see a spirit of pride or arrogance, or overconfidence developing in our spiritual walk with the Lord, I believe that is a sign, that is a characteristic that we may be going in the wrong direction and that we may be engaging in an activity that ultimately could lead to us backsliding in our Christian life. You know, God's Word says that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And we all need God's grace. I don't care how strong of a Christian you are. I don't care how mature in your faith you are. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't care how strong you are in your faith. There's going to be times in our life where we do the wrong thing, where we make the wrong decision, where we disobey God, where we walk outside of the center of His will for our life. And we should never get so confident. We should never get so uh, bold in our boastfulness and our pride and our spiritual arrogance that we believe that we are beyond sinning, that we believe we're beyond falling away, that we believe we're beyond making a mistake. We need to walk every day with a realization that we are sinners saved by grace, that every single day we're trapped in this body of flesh and that we're weak, and that in and of ourselves we can do nothing, and that it's only through Christ and His strength and His faith and His Spirit working in our life that we can continue to move forward and grow spiritually. But Peter developed that spirit of pride, and we don't just see it here. We see it at numerous places in, in Peter's life. I remember one instance where uh, Jesus was going to his disciples and he was telling them in a different way exactly what he was telling them in this passage here. And that was that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die. And I remember that in that passage of scripture, Peter said, far be it from me to let that happen. And Jesus immediately turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You see, in that moment, uh, Peter, in his spiritual pride, thought he knew better than Jesus. He thought he knew better what the will of God was. He thought he knew better what Jesus should do or should not do. 
And, and, and we see that Peter had that tendency. He had that tendency in his life, even though he knew the Lord, and even though he was growing in his relationship with the Lord, he had a tendency that led him to be overconfident and boastful. And we need to look at our own lives, and we need to identify any type of spirit that we see like that in our life. And we need to ask forgiveness for it, and we need to ask God to help us to be humble, and we need to tell him that we know that we can do nothing in and of ourselves, and that it's only through him and the strength that he gives us and his spirit working in our life that we can continue to grow and do his will. But I see a second step or a second characteristic in Peter's life that led to his backslidden condition. Not only was he developing a spirit of pride, but I also see that Peter was becoming lax in his attitude and in his attention to spiritual disciplines. And it has been my experience in my own life, as I've observed my life, my Christian life, and as I have observed the Christian life of other people around me, that this is one of the steps that we see. This is one of the characteristics we see in the lives of people that are moving toward a backslidden condition. They begin to be lax in their attitude and in their attention to spiritual disciplines. I was saying when I was first saved, you know, I, I wanted to read the Word of God. I wanted to consume the Word of God. I wanted to pray. I wanted to be at church every time the door was open. I wanted to give. I wanted to share my faith with the lost people around me. I was giving great attention to the spiritual disciplines. Uh, I wasn't lax in my attitude or my attention to those spiritual things. And yet over time, it's easy for us to develop more of a lax attitude and eventually even a lax attention uh, to carrying out those spiritual disciplines. We see this in Peter's life because right here he's with Jesus and Jesus says, tonight uh, you're going to be offended by me and when I'm struck, you're going to be scattered because you're going to be afraid and you're going to run away. And Peter says, maybe these other people will run away, but I'll never run away. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And immediately Jesus is walking with his disciples and he takes them to the garden of Gethsemane. And when he gets to the garden, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, then cometh Jesus with the 12 disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said unto his disciples, sit here while I go and pray there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy in his spirit. And then he said to them, these three in his inner circle, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here with me and wait with me. And Jesus went a little further into the garden and he fell on his face and he began to pray and cry out to God in great desperation. And the scripture says in verse 40 that when Jesus came back to where Peter, James, and John were, that he found them sleeping. They were not watching and waiting. They were not praying like Jesus, even though he had asked them to come with him and to watch and to wait and to pray and to be there with him in this time of need. Uh, but when Jesus comes back, they're not praying. Now, now, just a few minutes earlier, Peter was so confident. He was so uh, boastful. He was so arrogant. He was so sure of himself that, uh, you know, if everybody falls away, I'm not going to fall away. If everybody runs away, I'm not going to run away. And yet here, just a few minutes later, Peter doesn't even have the willingness to wait and to watch with Jesus. He doesn't even have uh, the interest in spending time praying for Jesus. And it's interesting in this passage of Scripture that Jesus rebukes them. And he says in verse 40, What could you not watch with me even one hour? And then in verse 41, Jesus tells them again, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus went away a second time and prayed. As the scripture says in verse 43, that he came a second time and he found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. And indeed, we don't have time to look at all this passage of scripture, but Jesus told them a third time to watch and pray. And when he came back, they were still sleeping. You see, Peter, even though he was a follower of Christ, he certainly knew the Lord. He certainly had grown in his relationship with the Lord. 
He most definitely not only was a disciple, but a disciple that was in the inner circle of Jesus, and yet he found himself at a place in his spiritual journey where he was becoming lax in his attitude and in his attention to spiritual disciplines. In this instance right here, prayer. Jesus asking him to pray three different times. Jesus coming back three different times and finding Peter not praying, but sleeping. And how many times in my own life, uh, in my own spiritual journey, have I found myself becoming a lax in my attention and in my carrying out the spiritual disciplines, things like scripture reading, like prayer, like going to church and, and being faithful to be there every time the doors open to, to serve the Lord in ways that I have opportunity to, to worship Him on a regular basis, uh, to share my faith with others. You know, just, just the simple Christian disciplines. There's been times in my own life, and as I have observed other Christians, most of them seem to me to have had seasons in their life. Even faithful, dedicated Christians, I can look and see that they've had seasons in their life where they were not giving the attention and having the right attitude towards spiritual disciplines. And so we need to observe our own life. Uh, because we can say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I know the Lord. And maybe we know the Bible better than, than anybody around us. And maybe we indeed are saved. And if we died, we'd go straight to heaven. But it's very possible that just like Peter knew the Lord and was in a right relationship with the Lord, but he went through periods in his life where he did not have the right attitude and attention to spiritual disciplines, it is equally possible that you and I could know the Lord, that you and I could be saved, but that we could go through periods in our life where we are not having the right attitude and the right attention to spiritual disciplines as well. And so as you and I uh, examine our lives today in light of the Word of God and in light of the Holy Spirit ministering His Word to our heart, let us ask ourselves, have there been times, am I going through a time in my life right now where I and being lax in my attitude towards spiritual disciplines. And if I see that I am, let me correct that today. Let me go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of this sin, and I ask you to help me to begin to have the right attitude and the right attention to these spiritual disciplines again. And then I see a third thing. Not only did Peter develop a spirit of pride and not only did he become lax in his attitude and attention to spiritual disciplines, but number three, I see that Peter began to respond to problems in the flesh. Uh, Peter began to respond to problems in the flesh and not in the spirit. And we see this even in this passage of Scripture, because in this passage of Scripture where Jesus and the disciples are in the garden and Jesus is praying, the soldiers come to get Jesus, they come to arrest Jesus, and when the soldiers come, uh, Peter reacts by fighting them. We see that in Matthew chapter 26, uh, beginning in verse 51, it says, And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, that's Peter, and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. We have more detail about that in the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, it actually tells us which one of the disciples it was that drew his sword and cut off uh, this soldier or this servant's ear. It says in John chapter 18, beginning verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having drawn his sword and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear, and the servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath, the cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? And so what we see here is that in a moment where Peter needs to be responding with spiritual strength, he's responding with physical strength. In a moment where Peter needs to be walking in the power of the spirit, he's walking in the power of the flesh. And I believe that this is a characteristic that we see not only in Peter's life, but I believe it's a characteristic that we can see in many Christians' lives, especially when they're going in the wrong direction and they're taking steps in a direction that could lead them into backsliding spiritually. Peter was responding to problems in the flesh. The man that was not willing to pray 
was willing to fight. <laughs> and uh, how many times in our own life, when problems arise, when difficulties come up in our daily life, uh, we're Christians, we're followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, His Holy Spirit is residing in us. We're supposed to be walking in the power of the Spirit, not uh, by sight, not in the flesh. Uh, we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be doing what Jesus would do and acting like Jesus would act and speaking and thinking like Jesus would speak and think. But how many times in our own life can we look back and see that we've gone through moments or we've gone through seasons in our life where uh, we face difficulties, we face problems in our daily life, and rather than responding like Jesus would have responded, we respond in the flesh. Rather than responding with love, we respond with anger or hate. Rather than responding with forgiveness, we're not willing to forgive. Rather than responding with a correct attitude, we respond with a bad attitude, a wrong attitude. Uh, I believe that Peter, uh, as he was moving and taking steps in the wrong direction, one of the characteristics that we can see blatantly going on in Peter's life that shows us that he was moving in this direction of backsliding in his relationship with Jesus Christ is that Peter began to respond to earthly problems around him in the flesh and not in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would, I would challenge all of us today to look at our lives because every single day, uh, all of us, we face problems, we face temptations, we face emotions, we face circumstances, uh, whether it be at home with our spouse, whether it be with our children, whether it be at work, uh, whether it be uh, in our social life at church or with our neighbors or, or whoever it is, every single one of us face these different types of problems and conflict and circumstances every single day of our life. And if we're walking and growing and maturing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, what we're going to see the vast majority of the time is that when we face these problems, when we face these situations in our life, we're going to be responding in a Christ-like way. We're going to be responding in a way that reflects that the Holy Spirit of God is in control of our life and that we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not going to be responding in the flesh. We're not going to be responding like the old Brian Tyndall used to respond. We're going to be responding like the new Brian Tyndall, like the one that has been made a new creature in Jesus Christ. And yet, how many of us, if we were going to be honest with ourselves, and if we're going to be honest before the Lord, would have to say, you know what? As I look back over my Christian life, I can see times, I can see situations, I can see seasons in my life where things came up, and rather than responding to those things in a Christ-like way, I responded in the flesh. I responded in an ungodly way. And if we recognize that, then we need to recognize that that is a characteristic, that is a sign, that is a step that is taking us in the wrong direction, that is leading us down a path that will ultimately lead to a backslidden spiritual condition. And we need to repent of that and ask forgiveness and begin to move back in a right relationship and in a right direction. And then the fourth characteristic we see that led to Peter backsliding in his relationship with the Lord, the fourth characteristic is that Peter followed Jesus, but he continually followed him from a greater distance all the time. You know, Peter was one of the closest followers of Jesus Christ. He was walking with Jesus every day. He was spending more time with Jesus than almost any other human being on the face of this earth. He was not only one of the 12 disciples, he was one of the three disciples in Jesus's inner circle. And yet, as we continue to read through the Gospels, we see that Peter went through a season in his life where rather than walking closer to the Lord each and every day, getting closer to Christ each and every day, walking closer to the center of God's will for his life each and every day, Peter went through a season where he was distancing himself from the Lord, where he was walking further and further away from the Lord. It wasn't that he quit following the Lord, but he was walking further away at a greater distance. We see that because on the night that the soldiers came to the garden and got Jesus, 
and, and Peter pulled out his sword and cut the servant's ear off, and Jesus healed the man and eventually uh, went with them willingly. Uh, he did not fight them, but Jesus went with them. As they were leading Jesus away and as they were taking him to the high priest, the scripture says in verse 58, but Peter followed Jesus afar off unto the high priest's palace, and he went in and he sat with the servants to see the end. And so Peter, he didn't run away, uh, but he also was following at a distance. And so many times in our Christian life, it's not that we quit following the Lord. It's not that we abandon the Lord. It's not that we turn our back on the Lord, but we just begin to follow Jesus at a greater and a greater distance. Um, we don't have that closeness with the Lord that we used to have. We're not walking close with him. We're not daily in that right relationship with him. Uh, and that's where Peter found himself. I call it a guilty distance from God. You know, he realized that he had uh, done some things that were wrong. He realized that he had had some wrong attitudes. You know, he, he had said, you know, I, I'm proud. And he, he realized that he had showed overconfidence there and that he, he wasn't backing that up with his life. He realized uh, that he had fallen asleep in the garden when he ought to be praying. He realized that, uh, you know, he, he, he pulled his sword and cut the, the man's ear off and Jesus rebuked him for it. And so as he sees that he's doing the wrong things, as he sees that he's not moving in the right direction and that he's not in the center of God's will for his life, it causes him not to feel comfortable following Jesus closely. And so he begins to distance himself from Jesus. And so many times that's what happens when we begin to backslide. We distance ourselves from the Lord. We distance ourselves from the word of God. We distance ourselves from other believers. We distance ourselves from the church. And uh, it's not that we've abandoned the Lord. It's not that, that we've turned our back completely on Christ, but we just begin to follow Jesus at a distance, at a, at a guilty distance, because we know that our life is not what it ought to be and that we're not reflecting what we ought to reflect. And so we begin to follow Christ at a greater and greater distance. But you see, that's not the way it ought to be. We ought to be walking closer with the Lord every day. Every day, every month, every year that we live, every year that we live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we ought to be getting closer to him all the time. We ought to be growing closer to him. We ought to be walking closer to the center of his will for our life. We ought to be growing in that relationship. And so if we look at our life and we see that we're following the Lord, but it's at a distance uh, greater than what it used to be, used to be close to the Lord, but now I've backed off I used to be uh, closer to the center of his will for my life, but now I'm further away from that, then we can recognize that as a step that's leading in the wrong direction. And then fifth, we see that Peter began to associate with the world. He began to associate with the world. On that night that Jesus was there with the high priest, Jesus was recognized by a young girl that was outside and as she saw Peter there, she recognized him as one of the disciples that had been with Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 69, it says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. Where was, where was Peter at? He wasn't inside with Jesus. He was outside with the world. He was outside with the accusers. He was outside with those people that were not disciples, with those people that were not followers of Jesus Christ. And he was standing with them, and he was sitting with them, and he was identifying with them rather than with Jesus Christ. And that's what happens. I believe that not only in Peter's life, but in all of our lives, that when we see ourselves begin to associate with the world more than we associate with Christ, that we begin to associate with the world and the people of the world more than we begin to associate with the church and the people of God, that is a sign, a very clear sign that we're moving in a backslidden way and in a backslidden condition. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 1, and that Psalm begins by talking about this very problem. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. But that's exactly where Peter was. 
He wasn't in there with Jesus. He wasn't with the disciples. He wasn't with the Christian community at this moment. He was outside with the lost world. He was not identifying with Christ. He was identifying with the world. He was walking with the world. And it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression there. You're walking with the wrong people, and then you find yourself standing with the wrong people. And if you do that long enough, then you find yourself seated with the wrong people. And that's exactly what was going on in Peter's life. He was walking with them and then standing with them, and then he was seated with them. He was identified uh, more with the world than he was with Christ and the Christian community. Let me ask you today, if, if I ask somebody in your life, even a non-believer that knows you, and I ask them to tell me about you as they observe you at work, as they observe you uh, with your family or in your community, and, and they were to tell me what you were like, would those people identify you more as a follower of Jesus Christ, or would they identify you more with the world? Would they say something like this, well, he's just like everybody else. Uh, you know, he's no different than we are. He's no different than the world is. I think that we need to be honest with ourselves. If, if we are going through seasons in our life where we are identifying, walking with, standing with, seated with the world more than we're walking, standing, and seating with Christ and the people of God, then that is a sure sign that we are moving in the wrong direction. And then finally, I see a final characteristic, and it is open denial of Jesus Christ. You know, here is a man that just a few hours earlier had said, if everybody else denies you, I'm not going to deny you. If everybody else gets scared and runs away, I'm not going to run away. And yet just a few hours later, the scripture says in verse 70, when that young woman identified Peter as a disciple of Jesus Christ, in verse 70, Matthew chapter 26, it says, but Peter denied before them all saying, I know not what you say. And then in verse 72, Peter said again, and he denied with an oath that he even knew who Jesus was. And then in verse 74, the scripture says that Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know this man named Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. Are there any of us that believe that Peter was not a Christian? Obviously, he was a Christian. He, he was probably one of the strongest Christians at this period of time. He, he certainly was one of the most faithful uh, disciples in the very inner circle of Jesus. And yet this Christian man, this mature Christian man that loved the Lord so much that he was willing to say to Jesus, I'm willing to die for you. If everybody else forsakes you, I'm not going to forsake you. And yet Peter, this Christian man that had so much confidence in himself, he found himself at a place in his life, at a place in his Christian journey where he was literally openly denying Jesus Christ, denying that he even knew Christ, denying that he was even a follower of Jesus Christ. The scripture says even with cursing, even with blasphemy, he was denying the Lord and Savior of his life. Now, my friends, that's a backslidden condition. When you're openly denying Jesus Christ as Savior, you're in a backslidden condition. You definitely are no longer on fire for the things of God. And you say, well, Brian, I've never openly denied the Lord. I've never openly denied being a Christian or being a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, my friend, I'm glad that you haven't. And I haven't either. I've never had a time in my life, thank the Lord, where I openly denied Jesus Christ with my mouth. But I have to say today with a broken heart that I can look back over times in my life, over circumstances and situations in my life, over seasons in my Christian journey where I may not have denied Jesus with my mouth, but I certainly denied him with my life. I denied him with my actions. 
I denied him with my words. I denied him with my attitude. If you would have seen the way that I was acting or the things that I were doing, you certainly wouldn't have thought that I was identifying myself with Jesus Christ. I would have looked much more like I was identifying myself with a lost and fallen world. And my friends, I believe with all my heart that if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with God, that every single one of us as believers can look back at our Christian life and we can see times, we can see seasons where we may not have denied Jesus openly with our mouth, but we've denied him in other ways. We've denied him with our actions or with our inactivity or with our attitudes or whatever way it was. You say, Brian, what if I find myself in that position, in that backslidden condition? Is there any hope for me? Is Jesus willing to forgive somebody that has backslidden? My friend, he's willing to forgive. He loves you. Uh, He loved Peter. And uh, Jesus knew Peter had backslidden. He knew better than anybody. He predicted before Peter even denied him that he was going to deny him. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. Before Peter could even have imagined that he would deny Jesus, Jesus already knew that he was going to deny him. And yet, Jesus still loved Peter. Jesus still wanted a relationship with Peter. And Jesus was more than willing to forgive Peter and to move forward in that relationship with him. And how do I know that? I know that because the Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, uh, when it's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all the Gospels give an account of the resurrection of Jesus, but in the Gospel of Mark, something is recorded that's not recorded in any other Gospel. The women go to the tomb, they find the stone rolled away, and there's an angel there that's telling them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus has risen, and the angel tells them to go back and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead and tell them that he's going to meet them. And when the angel tells them to go back and tell the disciples, he specifically says, go and tell the disciples and tell Peter that Jesus is risen and that he's coming to meet with them. And can you imagine uh, specifically singling out Peter? Jesus knew that Peter was going to be distraught. He knew that Peter was going to be uh, anxious, that Peter was going, when Peter heard that Jesus was really the Christ, that he was really the Messiah, that he was really the Savior of the world, that he had really raised from the dead like he told them he was going to, that he was really God in the flesh. He knew that Peter was going to be ultimately destroyed because Peter was going to realize, I have denied and forsaken and not stood with the very Savior of my soul, the very God of this universe. And 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 Peter was going to be destroyed because he was going to know that he had backslidden away from the one that had given everything for him. And yet Jesus singles Peter out. Tell Peter, I've risen. Tell Peter, I want to meet with him. I want to see him. I want to speak with him. And my friend Jesus is saying that same thing to us today. If we find ourselves in a backslidden condition, I can assure you that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, is not wanting to condemn us in our backslidden condition. Now, the devil wants to condemn us, but the Holy Spirit does not want to condemn us. The Holy Spirit wants to convict us. The Holy Spirit wants to come to us and say, you have done wrong. You are moving in the wrong direction. You are engaged in steps and activities and things in your life that have moved you out of the will of God, that are, that are moving you spiritually in the wrong direction, that are keeping you from growing and maturing in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit does not want to condemn us in our backslidden condition. The Holy Spirit wants to convict us and cause us to repent and to cause us to turn back to Jesus Christ and put our faith even stronger in Him and ask for forgiveness and receive the forgiveness and cleansing that can only come through Jesus Christ. And my friends, I pray for all of us today. The good news is this. Even though we probably all, at some point in our life as Christians, are going to find ourselves in somewhat of a backslidden condition. There is hope for us. There is forgiveness for us. 
there is victory for us through Jesus Christ. The same one that saved us from our sins, the same one that died on the cross and rose from the dead that he might purchase our salvation, that same one wants to redeem us out of that backslidden condition. That same one that gave us salvation wants to restore the joy of our salvation, wants to restore that broken relationship that's been caused because of our disobedience or because of our backslidden condition. And so my friends today, would you call on the name of Jesus and would you confess your sin and would you ask for the forgiveness and cleansing that only Jesus Christ can bring? And may you call on him with a confidence today that he loves you and that he's more than willing to forgive you and to cleanse you of all that you've done and to bring you back and to restore that relationship which has been broken. He loves you today, my friend. Call on the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, and come back into that close personal relationship with him. In Jesus' name, amen. It is God's desire for you to be in relationship with Him, and it's our prayer that you'll know Him and walk with Him today. You're listening to Save to the Uttermost. Our teacher is evangelist Brian Tyndall, founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. And today, if God has shown you that you need to get right with Him again or for the first time, we'd like to share with you a special book Brian has written entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. There are five aspects of salvation that Brian explains in the book, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we'd like to send you a copy absolutely free as our gift to you. If you'd like a copy of Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift, then simply visit our website to download a copy, uttermostevangelism.org. Just click on the banner at the bottom of the page. That website again is uttermostevangelism.org. If you'd like a printed copy, just ask when you write, Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, that's spelled P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us at 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. The title of today's message was Backsliding, A Spiritual Slippery Slope. If you'd like to hear the message again or share with a friend, visit our website, uttermostevangelism.org, and click on Sermons to stream the entire message right there. Again, that's uttermostevangelism.org. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost program exist to make Jesus Christ known and glorified among the nations by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. This is only made possible by the prayers and gifts from people just like you. If you enjoy the program, please help us continue the broadcast so others can be blessed as well. Your giving sustains us and advances kingdom growth. Our address again is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or give online at uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks for listening today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.